Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be previewing tonight's unveiling of the brand new Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker trailer. Also, I'm going to be talking about the new first Bloodshot trailer, along with first reactions for The Mandalorian and Terminator Dark Fate. But as always, what I have to do on every single Monday is recap the weekend's box office. And this weekend saw newcomers take a hold in the top three at the box office. Coming in at number one, defeating the Clown Prince of Crime, crime excuse me, is Maleficent Mistress of Evil, starring Angelina Jolie, Elle Fanning, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Even though it won the box office, it came in under expectations, grossing $36 million at the domestic box office. However, it did gross $153 million worldwide. So it it, it started off here domestically not on the right footing, but worldwide in other markets and had a little bit better of a fair weekend. And right now, according to estimations, if it if this movie is gonna wanna break at least even, and has to make around $500 million or more to do so. So Disney has its work cut out for Maleficent and Mistress of Evil right now, which surprisingly, considering all the success that Disney has had so far this year between Avengers and Aladdin and Toy Story and Lion King, that Maleficent and Mistress of Evil had a worser fare at the box office this opening weekend than Dumbo did in March, which is the first movie that came out under the Disney umbrella this year. And so that's telling you something, that for a studio that's been having monster success after monster success, especially in the summertime, it's not the best footing for Disney to get started on for the fall movie season. And I think they'll, they'll be fine. They have Frozen 2 and they have Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. So they'll be fine in terms of recuperating this back, but... This is something that has just been going on, not just for Disney, but in general for a lot of sequels that are big, surprising hits in their first film. But if they get a sequel, as we've seen this year and over the last few years, especially this year, not not even alone the last few years, this year alone, there's been six movies that have had sequels that just have not done well. We go with the Angry Birds movie 2, which had a huge drop-off from its opening weekend between the first film and the and the second film same thing with happy death day to you shaft a dog's journey the secret life of pets 2 the lego movie to the second part these are all films that had huge successes in their first films but when it came to their sequels it just not enough people were interested in actually seeing it and so i think that maybe a lot of people we're happy to see it in 2014 and like the fact that Angelina Jolie is starring in this big Disney film. They haven't seen her in a family film like this before. They get to see Maleficent on a live action on a live action basis in a different story. And maybe people just want to see it one time around and that was it. That was it. So I think for Disney, again, this this is not a huge loss for them, although it might it looks like it could potentially be a loss if it doesn't make up its earnings in the next few weeks. But I think, again, with the last two movies they have coming out, which are potential $2 billion hits at the box office, then I think that they're going to be fine with closing out the year on a high note. Then coming out at number two, which had a much better weekend, even though it came in at number two, was Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker, grossing $29.2 million, now has 24, 200, excuse me, $247.2 million domestically and $737 million worldwide that right now is enough for the seventh highest grossing film of this year alone it also made 
$1.3 million internationally. And in its entire run, it surpassed Justice League both worldwide and domestic. And in terms of all DC titles that have come out between the Nolan trilogy and Burton's Batman and all the Superman movies that have come out, Joker is now the fourth biggest DC title in box office history, which is incredible for this movie. And right now, it looks like it could very well be on its way to securing the highest grossing R rating of all time, beating it and beating the two Deadpool movies, which ranked number one and number two. So Warner Brothers, even though It Chapter 2 was successful for them, it wasn't the behemoth that Joker is right now. And this just shows that all buzz is, 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 is all buzz is good buzz, no matter what, whether it is good or bad. All buzz is buzz, and when you have a lot of hype around this movie, people are 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 still seeing it, and they're going back for repeat viewings. A lot of this it has to do with people that a haven't gotten to see it yet, wanted to hear what people thought of the film, and also repeat viewings. The people that maybe wanted to catch it another time or two, miss some things out that they wanted to go back and look through, and it's not a long movie that. You're going to be sitting there for hours and hours and hours, like maybe something like a, a, a Dark Knight Rises that's almost two hours, or an Avengers Endgame, which is clocks in at over three hours long. This movie's only two hours and two minutes at the most, so it's it's not a quick in and out, and it doesn't feel like a quick in and out, but it's a lot shorter than some of these other big films that have come out in the comic book genre. So this is a huge win for Warner Brothers. This is a huge win for Joker, and I think it's going to be interesting to see I don't think Warner Brothers anticipated this kind of of success, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them down the line if they can somehow, some way, maybe get Joaquin to do another movie or maybe expand it so Matt Reeves's Batman movies intersect with this Joker universe as well. We'll see what happens. Only time will tell as Joker keeps trugging along at the box office. Then coming out at number three is Zombieland Double Tap, grossing $26.8 million. It opened higher than Zombieland came out 10 years ago in 2009, which grossed $24.7 million. The budget was only $42 million compared to around the $20 million the first one had. But this is a huge win for Sony and for Ruben Fletcher and the cast of Zombieland Double Tap, which I really enjoyed. And if you want to catch my reviews for Zombieland and Maleficent, you can check them out on the Sam Bissell podcast. And so I think for Zombieland, this is a huge win. And again, if it has big legs and can kind of be one of those holiday offerings, Halloween holiday offerings for people in the next few weeks, I think this film bods really well for Sony. And I think... We could, if the cast and the crew want to come back, we could see another one of these in the future. And then coming in at number four is The Addams Family, grossing another $16.3 million, $56.8 million. And what's domestically, it grossed $56.8 million. And what's very interesting is that it is, in just two weekends at the box office, it has grossed more than Abominable, which only comes in at number six with $3.5 million and $53.9 million in total in the domestic box office. So... The Adams Family is, even though I didn't enjoy the movie, it's still having a really solid run. It's While Zombieland Double Attack can be one of those offerings for the Halloween season, for families that can't go see Zombieland or something like The Joker, The Adams Family is that nice, that, that nice niche for them to go and enjoy scary times with the kids and the family. And so I think Adams Family, we could see a sequel down the line. I'm not really sure. I think it's going to depend in the next few weeks how the box office does. And then coming in at number five, which is a huge loss for 
paramount is gemini man grossing another 8.3 million dollars 36 million dollars domestically and 118.7 million dollars it had a dip of 59 percent from being in third place at the box office last weekend in its opening week and it started will smith directed by ang lee which incorporated the high frame rate which incorporated the new cgi with making a younger looking will smith it's, it's a film that just didn't hit the mark for a lot of people. It's a film that not a lot of people wanted to look at. And according to a lot of articles, right now Gemini Man is looking at losing $71 million in its profitability and that the, the studio might take a hit of around $71 million for the loss that Gemini Man is, is presenting itself with. So I wouldn't expect anything in the future regarding Gemini Man as it comes in at number five. I just talked about number six being abominable. Coming in at number seven is Down Abbey with $3.08 million. Now it has $88.6 million in the domestic box office. It is now the highest grossing focus features film as a domestic box office, surpassing Brokeback Mountain with, that had $83 million in 2005, which is a huge box, uh, not, not even just box office, but Academy Award winning film as well. It won Best Director for Ang Lee. It lost the Best Picture race infamously or famously to Crash in 2005, 2006, that, that, that Oscar season. So for Down Abbey, this is a huge win. I think we'll definitely be seeing a sequel down the line. And it just shows that people will go see these movies if they're fans and it's right for them. They will go see films like Down Abbey. Coming in number eight is Judy with $2 million. Right now, it is Roadside's fifth highest grossing film of all time. So Judy is really building off the hype, especially of the performance by Renee Zellweger, which is getting her a lot of awards season acclaim right now. So Judy could be making its way to making a lot of noise, not just in award season, but at the box office. And another star that is making a lot of buzz right now, both in award season and at the box office, is Hustlers, a film directed by Lorenz Scofia that is also starring Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu, Grossed another $2 million at the box office and has now surpassed $100 million at the box office domestically. The film had a budget of $200 million. And so I think that, again, if people, if it has the stars, if it has the buzz, I think people will go see these movies. So congratulations once again to Hustlers for all of its success so far. And then coming in at number 10 is It Chapter 2 Grossing, another $1.4 million, $209 million domestically as it starts to near the end of its theatrical run. And then in the indie, indie world in limited theaters, Parasite continues to dominate the specialty box office, only expanding to 33 theaters this weekend. It has officially overall grossed $1.8 million and made $1.2 million this weekend. The Lighthouse also debuted in eight locations and made $419,000 with a per theater average of $52,000, which is incredible. There's a lot of hype surrounding this film and Jojo Rabbit, which located at only five theaters with $350,000 and only $70,000 in per theater average, which is really huge and gets a sense of the, the number of the the amount of the, the gross that people are going to see in every single showing at the theater, which is incredible for these specialty films. And it seems like their award season is going to be ramping up big along with their box office totals. And guys, what do you think of all this box office recapping? What do you think of the box office this weekend? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Then coming in now, moving on to some superhero news in terms of some more backlash that is taking place with Martin Scorsese. And now Francis Ford Coppola has now entered the, mi the mix defending Martin Scorsese for what he said about Marvel films being theme park and that they are not actually film films and that 
it's not expanding to the extent that they should think it is. And before I get to Francis real quick, Martin Scorsese did double down on the superhero talk, saying that theaters support the films, but right now if the theaters seem to be mainly supporting the theme park, amusement park, comic book films. They're taking over the theater. I think they can have those films. It's fine. It's just that it, it shouldn't become what our young people believe. It's cinema. It just shouldn't. And then Francis Ford Coppola has come in defending Scorsese, saying, going one step further, and he's saying, well, I would call the films despicable. And so, again, I said this about Martin Scorsese, and I'm going to say about Francis Ford Coppola. They're both incredible. Some, some of the great... Some of, if not the greatest directors of our modern time, you can put these directors on the Mount on the Mount Rushmore of directing for the classics that they've come out come out with, from the Godfather trilogy with with Coppola, with Scorsese, with Goodfellas, and Taxi Driver, and the list goes on and on and on for Scorsese, and he's doing it again now with The Irishman. But I think for these two filmmakers, for the world that they come in, they're they're people that are love of cinema. And I think they come from a different era and the de a different definition of what cinema is. And, and that's fine. They, they come from very different landscapes of never really doing films like this. And I don't think films like this would work in their wheelhouse in all likelihood. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them for maybe coming up with something and absolutely killing it because they're just gods amongst men in, in, in this world. So I just think that Coppola knows where Scorsese is coming from. And I understand where they're coming from as well. Again, I don't... I don't love the comments because I am a comic book fan as well, especially of these movies. And I and I think over the last few years, comic book movies have become and evolved to being more than just than just theme park films. I think you look at something like Joker or Logan or Deadpool. It shows that you can add cinema to superhero movies or comic book movies, and you get people to come see them. So I again, I understand it, but at the same time. I'm not. I'm not offended, but I'm a little hurt. Like someone like James Gunn was. He put out an Instagram post saying, you know, talking about how some people just didn't like Western, some people didn't like sci-fi, but and now it seems to be comic book movies are the thing right now that people aren't a fan of. But again, I I, I get where they're they're coming from. They're old timers, but at the same time, and they're they're great. But at the same time, I just think. If people said this about mo their movies, they wouldn't probably like it as much. But, again, that's my take for what Scorsese and Coppola had to say about superhero movies. Guys, what do you think? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now going on to some other drama that happened between Jared Leto and the drama surrounding The Joker. So apparently coming from a Hollywood Reporter article and multiple sources, Jared Leto, who portrayed Joker in The Suicide Squad, which didn't get a lot of great rave reviews, but made over $800 million at the box office. Some people were fans, but at the same time were icky about Jared Leto's performance as Joker, but he didn't get that much screen time, so people are still looking to see what he could potentially do. However, with these additional reports, I don't think we're going to be seeing him anytime soon as Joker. If if not, if then anyways, I don't know when we're ever going to see him again as Joker. But apparently, when it was announced for this Walking Phoenix Joker film, it was announced... And Jared Leto apparently did not want that. He felt blindsided, and he was trying to seek ways to terminate the Joker film. Apparently, he asked his music manager because he is one of the front men for 30 Seconds to Mars. He called. He asked them to call the top people at Warner Media and try to do something to terminate the project. Apparently, Warner Brothers again. I think Warner Brothers gave Todd Phillips a very small budget. They didn't know how big this movie was going to be, and now we see the Oscar bros that it's getting, the box office records that it's breaking. It is a giant at the movies right now and apparently the studio wasn't happy with what happened on the set of the Suicide Squad apparently Jared Leto left a bunch of frightening things for the cast of the Suicide Squad to get into the his 
preferred mindset of the Joker. And apparently it ended his relationship with CAA, which is a talent agency company, which is it ranks as one of the best in the business. And apparently, because he won the Academy Award, he thought there should be some certain kind of lay upon him. He should be granted some kind of specialty. And I have to say this, it just from all this, it sounded like somebody who's self-entitled and spoiled. And somebody who thinks because they won an Academy Award, he should be considered one of the greatest actors in the game right now. But that's not how it works. You can win an Oscar for a great movie, but if you don't show up consistently and prove that you are more than just that Oscar, that you can win multiple Oscars potentially down the line or be nominated, then you have no say whatsoever. You were great in Dallas Buyers Club, but I don't see anything else that entitles you to that. You're not even... You won on your first nomination, and you were great in that movie, but what else have you done? You still apparently have a great relationship with Warner Media, Warner Brothers, that you just finished up shooting a few movies for them, but you're not Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix is a three-time Academy Award nom- uh, nominated actor who absolutely destroyed it in this movie. We, ha- we, we were wondering what kind of Joker you would portray. We had There was no, there was no if and or a buts about the kind of performance that Joaquin Phoenix would bring to the table, and there was skepticism about your performance. So I just think he needs to slow his roll, and he was probably worried that, and it's happening, that people want to see more of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker instead of his. And again, I understand where you're coming from, where you get offered this amazing role, you try to put your heart and your soul into it, and then it, gets ta- it just gets taken away from you like that. I understand it, but at the same time, don't come off as a spoiled brat because you're an Academy Award-winning actor. You're, you won an Oscar. I mean, that's a high order, but at the same time, you got to slow your roll, and you're not you're not Joaquin Phoenix, you're not Daniel Day-Lewis, you're not Robert De Niro, you're not Al Pacino. Heck, you're not even on the same level as someone like a Matthew McConaughey, who I considered better in that movie than Jared Leto. But Jared Leto did, again, a, a phenomenal job in Dallas Buyers Club. He's, he's a great singer. I love 30 Seconds to Mars. But what else have you done? What else have you done that warrants you to be up there? Heck, I consider Bradley Cooper to be better than, than, than Jared Leto. I would consider it the names coming up in my head right now. Zach Galifianakis, I consider a better actor than Jared Leto. I, Jared Leto has not proven a cent to me that he is a phenomenal actor. He had one great role, and that's all he proved to me. I wanted to see more of what he wanted to do in, in The Suicide Squad, or Suicide Squad as it's being called now, but that's all he brought to the table, and that's all that I can give him to. And Again, consistency is your friend in this industry, and he hasn't been putting on consistently other than Dallas Buyers Club, in my opinion. So... That's the little rant I wanted to get off about Jared Leto and Joker. Guys, what do you think about Jared Leto potentially not being a Joker anymore and all this situation going on? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Then, real quick, I want to talk about the new Bloodshot trailer that came out. It is starring Vin Diesel. I was excited about this one because it stars Vin Diesel, Guy Pierce, Isa Gonzalez, who I am a huge fan of and want to see more of. I think she's a star in the making. And seeing this trailer, which shows a man who has cyber cybergenetic an accident happens he became he becomes a base like a cyborg assassin and everything's not actually might be what it actually is and to me the concept sounds interesting the but to me the the, the cast is awesome i'm a fan of diesel what he's done with the fast and furious franchise even though he's not in it what he's done with groot and again ziza gonzalez i'm a uh, i'm a huge fan of but i to me the trailer just didn't impress me enough it, it was eh. it it didn't do enough to me to warrant seeing this movie. It didn't do enough to impress me. And for a first trailer, it gave a lot away. And I don't know what they're going to do with other marketing material for Bloodshot. 
But guys, what do you think of Bloodshot? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now going on to one of the big stories that's coming on right now and just in a few hours from now. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker will be having its final trailer in just a few hours on Monday Night Football. It'll be coming out during halftime and this is something that Lucasfilm and Disney have been doing as a marketing strategy since 2015 when The Force Awakens came out in which they debuted a trailer at Star Wars Celebration and then the next time they debuted a trailer, which is their last big trailer for both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, was during Monday Night Football and right now The Rise of Skywalker is no different as right now with The Rise of Skywalker, it's it, it, this is huge because it, we, we've gotten... We've gotten taste of it. We got the teaser trailer at Star Wars Celebration this year in which we got the infamous laugh of Emperor Palpatine in which we know he's coming back. We got to see the gang back together. And so I, but I'm going to be giving my reactions tonight. I'm going to have a little recording that I'll be sure to do an instant reaction and then I'll go more full-blown in-depth uh, tomorrow on the actual my actual thoughts of the trailer. But I'll do a quick reaction to, to get something out there for you guys to see. But... I don't, I don't want to predict like things that I want to see happen. I do want to do things that hopefully might happen. I think they need to establish. And I think when they did the announcements for that, this movie would be coming out on Monday Night Football, the shot of the, the big three with Chewie and the Falcon between Ray, Poe, and Finn going out on this adventure together, we don't know exactly what's going to be happening. But I think just having all of them together in a... In, in a room or doing some kind of action scene would be incredible. I want to see the chemistry that they're going to bring together. So if the trailer can just give us a little bit of that, I would be so happy to see that and knowing that they, they spend a lot of time apart in the last two movies, that to see them all together doing their thing would be incredible. Also, even though we've heard voiceover between the D23 footage that came out in August and the laugh that we got at Celebration, are we going to see some form of Palpatine or is J.J. Abrams, who is a watch watchdog of secrets for anything that he has done is he going to keep that under wraps until the movie comes out on december 20th i don't know exactly what's going to happen but i i would hope we get some kind of look at palpatine but i wouldn't be i wouldn't be angry if we didn't because i understand that is a huge part of the movie and if they want to keep that a secret i would want to see that in the theater and be shocked and surprised by what they bring with palpatine but again at the same time it would be cool to see something like that, but if they didn't, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be angry. Another thing, and they showed it, and they they released another little tidbit today, and I think that's exactly what they showed is the grand scale of this film. This is the conclusion of nine films that have started since 1977, when George Lucas came up with the worldwide phenomenon that is Star Wars. This is going to be the like it like a lot of the synopsis have said like a lot of the descriptions. This is going to be the ultimate battle between good versus evil, the light versus the dark, the Jedi versus the Sith. So you got to show the the scale as it's never been shown before. This grand scale that these big battles. What is going to happen? I think the D twenty three footage between showing all those ships between the First Order and the Resistance. I think is is exactly what you need to do. You need to do it again in this trailer. I would hope is what they might be trying to do. I hope. And what they showed in terms of you see the Millennium Falcon behind all these ships, that's exactly what you need to show. And I think that is something they need to convey across with this trailer. They are going big and or they are going home with this film. Also, what, what else can we see in the story? What else is this story going to convey to us? How are we going to wrap all this up? Are they going to do something like an Avengers Endgame where maybe they start out the trailer with with maybe showing all the films beforehand, but I think they did it already with that D23 footage, but 
are they going to do something like that? I, I don't know, but I hope we get some inkling of the story, just, just a little bit. But with J.J. Abrams, like he did with Force Awakens, we didn't get a whole idea of what the story was going to be. But I think because we've established these characters, we might get just a, a little bit, just like a basic plot line of what the story is going to be so we know what we're getting into going into it. But that's all I think that – that, that is what I think we're going to get with this with this trailer. We're going to get maybe some Palpatine. I don't know, but I think we're going to get a lot of the big three together. We're going to get the grand scale, and hopefully we get the story of what is going to come in this film. But not a lot, just, just the teeniest, tiniest bit that I know J.J. Abrams can pull out of his pocket or even what Lucasfilm can pull out of their pocket. And then, of course, tickets will be going on sale after the trailer is released online and after halftime. And I think the big question with this is, are sites going to crash tonight? Is Fandango ready? Is AMC ready? Even though maybe it might not be on the scale of Avengers Endgame, there was still a long line waiting for The Last Jedi. We know the servers crashed for The Force Awakens. Are they ready for the big traffic that is going to be coming? And it's tonight and the next day or two with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Because I think... I think because Avengers Endgame has overshadowed The Rise of Skywalker, it's not. It's still a big blockbuster film that we're getting. I just don't know if it's going to be. It's probably it's going to be the event of the winter and of December. But I just I think the hype train is going to start now for this movie. People will be like, oh yeah, that's right, a Star Wars movie is coming out. I think Avengers Endgame kind of took that title and mantle and ran with it of being the concluding chapter, the big concluding event of the year. But if there's anything that come can come close to a close second or beat it. It is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker concluding a saga that has spanned again since 1977. Can can it can The Rise of Skywalker even come close to the level of Avengers Endgame when it performs? And I think we're gonna find out tonight. If the servers crash and we find out that people cannot get on for hours and hours and it crashed immediately, then I think we're gonna be looking at something where maybe it can gross over 200, 230, 250, maybe. Maybe getting to 300, but I think that's pushing it for this movie. But again, I think this is the only film that can really push the boundaries of maybe threatening Avengers Endgame. I, I, now, I don't think it's going to be the highest grossing film of all time. I think whatever Avengers Endgame did, it will not happen again. But if there's something that can come close to it, it is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and what it can bring to the table in terms of its opening weekend. And again, I just hope the sites, as long as there's a long line for something, I'm, I could be fine with that. But just don't crash. I don't think that they were ready for Avengers Endgame for what was happening with that. But after everything you have learned from all the Star Wars movies, the Avengers films, between Infinity War and Endgame, you have had time to prepare. You've seen the history. Just don't crash. Just be able to stay online and people at least get access to the shows. I think that is all you need. The long line thing, like, listen, it's like a convenience store. It's, it's going to be like that. So as long as it can be something like that, I am totally fine with it and then the last thing i want to bring up is that amc is doing a skywalker saga marathon that is happening which is showing all nine films and i think that is really incredible so if you're a fan of things like that that is something to also check out once tickets come on sale guys what do you think are, are you excited about the skywalker the rise of skywalker trailer premiering tonight what are you expecting what do you think is going to happen let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now the last thing i do want to get into on this edition of the sam Cell podcast is the reactions the first reactions are that are coming out for one terminator dark fate and the mandalorian but to start out with terminator there were some screenings last night for terminator dark fate which is directed by tim miller Produced by James Cameron, stars Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It also stars 
Robert Reyes, and it stars a plethora of other amazing actors and actresses as well. And so getting right into it, Eric Davis over at Fandango tweeted out, Terminator Dark Fate is the best Terminator sequel after T2, easily among the year's most entertaining action films. It's thrilling, intense, nonstop, but also it's a sweet story about making things right. Arnold is great and Linda rules, but Mackenzie Davis throws down. Perry Nemiroff over at Collider said, Is Terminator Dark Fate the best since T2? Yep. Linda Hamilton's return makes a big difference. Mackenzie Davis' kicks all the butt in the world. And Natalie Reyes is an excellent anchor. Gabriel Luna's Rev 9 is a winner too. Physicality, visual effects, fights all spot on. Glad they gave this another go. So really what it seems like a lot of the main talking points of this movie is, is that it seems like they follow the, the theme, the formula from Halloween last year with Jamie Curtis in terms of disregarding all the sequels before the original, or in this case, the two films that gained, that gained the high ground for Terminator, and they disregard all the other sequels that gave him problems over the years, and they just stuck with following after Terminator 2, or in the case of Halloween, following the original Halloween film, and it seems like, this, like the success that Halloween had, Terminator, at least critically, it seems like this is something that they have found once again, and bringing Linda Hamilton back, it sounds like that is one of the main consistencies of this film, is that Linda Hamilton absolutely kills it, along with being Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then Mackenzie Davis could be the next Sarah Connor, in a way, the next Linda Hamilton, and maybe take over this franchise, maybe potentially passing over the baton in this film, but it sounds like Tim Miller de delivers once again, and in delivering action and visual effects that look legit in fights, so I'm really excited to see this, the trailers have looked good to me, but hearing this it gets me actually more excited than the trailers have in, in the case that I'm not being fooled by these Terminator movies, but if people are excited about this film and they're tweeting at least positive things about it, not it doesn't have to be overwhelmingly positive, but just positive, then it gets me even more excited than I originally was, even after seeing all the marketing material that they have put out for this film. But in, uh, one that I've been really excited about is The Mandalorian, and just a select few were able to see about 30 minutes of footage from uh, people have been seeing the, the only the first three episodes or so. I think it was really funny how I was talking about Disney Plus last week and I didn't know and I was saying oh nobody has seen any footage and then literally this weekend people have seen Mandalorian footage and I only got one from Steve Frosty Weintraub over at Collider and but his I think sums up everybody's opinion on the Mandalorian which has been getting overwhelming unanimous praise for being something different in the Star Wars universe but what he says is that Saw 27 minutes of The Mandalorian. It is as awesome as you want it to be. Can't say anything specific, but one scene answered a question that I don't think has ever been explained, shown in any Star Wars movie. Love that it opens up the Star Wars universe in a cool new way. This is the Star Wars thing I've been waiting for. While I love the Skywalker saga, I've wanted to see new characters and places explored in depth, which can only be done over a multiple and very, very much so over a multiple spannings, multiple episodes in a series format. Cannot wait to see more of The Mandalorian. One other thing about The Mandalorian is that I get to see the footage in a screening room on a big screen and it looked like I was watching a movie. Well, I get the show is to sell subscriptions to Disney+. Plus. I wish I could watch every episode in a movie theater. And that, to me, is no surprise whatsoever as we get more of this film. We get more of, 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 of excuse me, not even this film, of this TV show we get more insight into what this is going to be about. And when you have somebody like a John Favreau and a Dave Filoni working together, huge Star Wars fans, and you get what even just look like a cinematic feel with these, with these shows and, and, and this universe, I think 
it, I think it bodes well for it. And and hearing that it's it's cinematic quality, seeing the trails and everything, it, it didn't get it, it didn't worry me whatsoever. So hearing this doesn't surprise me. I'm really excited about this and what it brings to the table for the Mandalorian. You get huge actors like a Pedro Pascal, Gina Carallo, Carl Weathers into the Star Wars universe. I'm really excited about this. And the fact that they're expanding the Star Wars universe, they're not just going with the characters that we know and love. They're expanding on a universe that has so much expansion to it and that can really, really lend itself to some meaty and juicy realizations and, and, and some new some new ideas that we haven't seen before in a Star Wars universe. So I'm really excited about that. But guys, what do you think about all these reactions to both Terminator Dark Fate and The Mandalorian? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Pascal Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and so much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network. And also, make sure to check out the other amazing shows they have on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. And check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them out on their websites, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Twitter and Facebook, at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Pascal Samuel. That's P-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook, at Sam Bissell, And on the Sam Bissell Podcast. Guys, thank you again so much for tuning in. And again, I will be back to do a little bit of a quick recap and a little bit of a talk about my quick reaction of the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker trailer. But a lot of my in-depth results, I'm going to wait until tomorrow. But I'll have a little something up tonight for you guys to take a listen to until tomorrow. But until then, enjoy the Rise of Skywalker trailer. Enjoy what it has to offer. Hopefully, you guys get your tickets tonight. Hopefully, the sites don't crash down on anybody this time and you only have to wait on a line. And hopefully, not too long of a line. But until then, guys, enjoy. And as always, keep on screening.